Seinfeld. The secretary is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys that have already made the switch to canola oil. I'm Rob Sister, and here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I thought you were going to say two guys who'd never buy a used suit for $300. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not we have a skinny mirror. I wish. I'd like some skinny mirrors. <laughs> no, they tricked How them. did Barney's not sue for this, by the way? Why about that Barney's has skinny mirrors? Yeah, this is really the whole episode is like defaming Barney's. I mean, maybe they're from like the Donald Trump school of thought that like all publicity is good publicity. Maybe, but maybe it's not necessarily Barney's New York. Like I think it could be just like a department store, uh, like that guy Barney's, but it's not necessarily the Barney's. I'm not buying that. It was Barney's B-A-R-N-I-E-S. Well, maybe if they had like a big dinosaur logo and it was Barney the dinosaur. Had like, <laughs> he was so big in the mid-90s that he had his own like uh, department store. In <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly what was going on, but maybe it was not as litigious of a society in 1994. I don't know. I mean, we're about to see, you know, Kramer get the coffee. You know, maybe it's pre-Jackie Childs. You don't, you don't have a lot of lawsuits. Pre-Jackie Childs, that's right. Anyway, so we are here back to talk about one of the final episodes of 1994 on Seinfeld here with the secretary an episode that i do uh, have some uh, some thoughts on whether or not it's going to hold up here in 2016 yeah uh yeah uh directed by <laughs> david owen trainer which i think is a like a uh, rare one that's that's not uh directed by one of the big two yeah and written by a couple ladies carol leifer who's a famous uh, writer and margie gross who actually passes away at the end of the seventh season Oh, my goodness. Uh, who wrote it is her first of, I think, four episodes she wrote. And it's uh, December 8th, uh, 19 BD, before Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so lots to talk about here in The Secretary as we move along. Now, Akiva, I believe this is episode number 95 that we're talking about on the Seinfeld Recap Podcast. Am I right about Cor- that? Correct. So here we are heading towards the 100th episode, and I am starting to feel like we should do something to commemorate not only 100 episodes of Seinfeld, but also 100 recaps of Seinfeld. Well, so now here's the question, because the 95th, the 100th episode, first of all, there's a couple of tricky parts, right? Because the highlights of 100 is, are episodes 100 and 101, mm-hmm. which are just the highlight show. So technically, that week's episode, like, you know, what, what Scott puts up on the thing is a, episode 102. Right. Right. And then you could maybe write in parentheses, like, add 100 and 101, because I'm sure we could, you know, mention the highlights of 100 or whatever. Yeah. But that's not our 100th episode. Yes. So are we celebrating Seinfeld's 100th episode, which is a highlight show, or, and or are we celebrating our 100th episode, which I think is episode 106 of Seinfeld? Mm. <laughs> okay. Well, what I would like to do, and I was thinking about this beforehand, and again, we have not had a pre-production meeting on this, is... The week of the 100 and 101 episode, the 100th anniversary special, when we get to that episode, what I'd like to do is maybe do like an all Seinfeld voicemail show where we I've heard from so many people recently who enjoy listening to the show. I feel like like let's do one show, which is just us either taking questions or hearing any takes that you guys have from the stuff we've already covered. On Seinfeld. Uh, that's a good idea. I think that'll be fun. And also, and you know, we won't be really losing ground and we won't have to recover the recap. And we could talk about it. I think we should both watch it before we come on to do that week's episode. If anybody has a question on it, we can kind of talk about what we were surprised they highlighted and didn't highlight. And then let's do voicemail and answer email questions that episode. Uh, perfect. Okay, good. 
I have one other question before we get into it, before we start on the recap. I am looking for, at some point, if we look at Seinfeld, sort of like if we were to chart it, and I'm sure that this is something that maybe you have done in terms of where your episode rankings fall on the plot points, I think we might even be able to visually see a point where maybe Seinfeld goes over the cliff a little bit towards the end. And so my question to you, Akiva, is can we pinpoint the exact moment of peak Seinfeld? Sure, but it's not going to happen for a long time. Okay. I just want to mark it. spoiling too much of my later season opinions. Like, I'm not a, you know, season nine is garbage person at all. So, you know, if we do that, it it may be a very long time before we get there. But in in general, in terms of making some sort of fancy graph that I'm sure uh, Sean Falconer already did by the end of the sentence, (laughs) we, we, uh... We, yeah, it's a good idea. It is a good idea, but I, you know, but hopefully the peak comes in the last episode or something. Yeah, I just when we reach that apex, I do want to mark it and say, and it is at this point, Seinfeld has hit its highest high in in its run. Sure, stop listening to the Pine podcast at that point, guys. Just and stop. then, yeah, this is like the third act break in the movie, and then it's kind of just downhill from here. Sure, yeah, it's a good sell for the last, like, let's say it was, like, middle of season eight. That would be a great sell to the fans for the last 35 episodes of the show. <laughs> well, then it's the rise and We're fall. We're just going to trash it for 35 episodes. I mean, it, we know it doesn't ultimately get to the point where it's a bad show at any point, but I think it is interesting to sort of just mark, okay, this is the high water mark for Seinfeld. The, well, okay, so the high water mark is a little different than than sort of, like, it, okay, but I, I hear what you're saying. It's it's an interesting, you know, it's a conversation we could have at various points in season seven, eight, and nine. It's a good idea. Yeah, not necessarily the best episode, but this is sort of like, okay, this is it, and then it's kind of downhill from here. Not, and again, we know not downhill bad, but to go from like that was probably you know the beginning of the end of the run. Sure, but it's also worth mentioning that like the worst twenty episodes or twenty five episodes are out of the way. Yeah. So it almost like bottoms out at the beginning and then just it's kind of like a straight line up for most of the rest of the way. Okay. All right. So, Akiva, do you have any news before we get into the secretary? Sure. Um, A lot of people sent me the same email. I'll read uh, quickly one of them. Uh, Brett from Australia wrote in uh, longtime listener, first time emailer. I've listened from episode one. Where you been, Brett? I want to hear from you every week. And I must say that I love the rambling tangents that you guys sometimes embark on. I don't even know what he's talking about. (laughs) I also applaud your sheer bravery. For talking down your wife so frequently. See, I'm not familiar with uh, Australian lingo, but I imagine talking down means like talking about like how bad we are and we don't deserve them. I don't know. People people keep saying that we're like bashing our wives or stuff. I haven't heard any of that. Yeah. Let's hope for both of our sakes. They continue to hate your work to the same degree that I love it. They don't hate our work. They're completely unaware of what we do. And not only unaware, uninterested. Be, uh, yeah, I would say my wife might not even know that this podcast is about science. To be fair. <laughs> So unaware and uninterested. Like to the point where if my life depended on it and I told my wife, you need to listen to an episode of this podcast and get there's a 10 question quiz that if you get any of the questions wrong, I'm going to be executed. (laughs) There's almost no chance that this podcast would she would be able to focus on the podcast for an hour and, you know, 20 some odd minutes. I mean, you would look at her phone the next day and she still would not have downloaded it. <laughs> yeah. Like, anyway, she might get to the point where it's on and it plays, but it would just, like, just go, you know, the sound waves would not be able to penetrate her eardrums. It would just be, like, white noise to her. Yeah, it's not a bad idea, maybe, for, like, a later season. 
we we test them on an episode, but I don't I don't think either of them. Are Again, we do not have the carrot to be able to uh, make that thing happen. You know what I mean? Right. We can't offer them money, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like we share the money. It doesn't. That, that's my problem with my wife in general. Like I have nothing to bribe her with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I I like I'm going to take out the garbage or something. Like there is no incentive, right? No incentive. I haven't. If there is someone, write in and figure it out because I I haven't figured it out. That's probably right, why so, you know. I, I mean, anyway, so interrupt. Brett emailed. Yes. Um, a, a lot of people did. Also, the uh, Topher Grace yes. of That 70s Show uh, made a, a, a Seinfeld episode using clips from the Seinfeld scenes on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. Uh, so a lot of people were into that this week. I felt bad for Topher Grace when I saw that. Why? You think he's got nothing going on? Yeah, it makes it sound like he's really got nothing going on, that he's re-editing clips of Curb Your Enthusiasm to make a Seinfeld episode. He's definitely doing okay financially, unless he like really blew it all. Because I feel like that '70s show is still rerun a lot. Like he's making a, yeah. you know, a, a fair living just off that. But I do like hate when the actor leaves the show like one year early, like Carell with The Office, mm-hmm. or um, you know, Topher Grace did, or Anthony Edwards like five years early on ER. Because Anthony Edwards like never worked again, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes it works out. Like George Clooney left, uh, you know, the show he was on early, and that turned out okay for him. Yeah. So but, uh, for Topher Grace, then I hope that it's just like, oh, I hired this like hundred dollar a day editor on Craigslist and just had him work on this for two days. And but then he, I mean, his better. IMDb, he's got a lot in it. Like, it's not like he's literally not working. Okay, yeah, just makes it sound like I didn't like the hearing for that he was spending his time working on this. Right, but and uh, I don't know. It's I hear what you're saying, but it looks like he's still in a lot. You know, he he did the Spider Man. It looks like he's done a bunch of things. I feel like. His life is fine. He's probably just between projects. Okay. Uh, yeah, so people sent that in. People also sent, um, and it's not worth playing because the noise doesn't work, but somebody made like a device where when you open the door, the Seinfeld music, like the, ba- the bass riff plays mm-hmm. every time you open the door, which is kind of a good idea. Like imagine every time you walk into your office, the apartment, yeah. and, and like the Seinfeld music plays, like you're, you know, like the beginning of a, of a Seinfeld episode. I feel like that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. It's like being a professional wrestler. You get the entrance music. So which music that. plays like the opening credits? Uh, I think it's like the more like bow, 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 bow. Okay. <laughs> I will have to look, be on the lookout for that. I feel like that would get annoying. Uh, yeah, it would be a good gag for like the first time your friend came over. But I, 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 afterwards, it would be like those old web files that like every time you get an IM on AIM, they would make a noise and you get sick of it after a while. You don't know how to shut it off. Yeah, that'd be annoying. Well, mine were always just Seinfeld quotes. So, it was, you know, it was like, the sea was angry that day, my friends. But sometimes it would be like, that would be the noise for when somebody signed off on AOL. So yeah. You'd literally hear it like 20 times in a row and you'd lose your will to live. It used to be annoying then if you just had it where set up where when somebody logs off, you hear like the door slam. Like, ooh, yeah, that was bad. My, <laughs> my mother-in-law still uses AOL. So sometimes I'll be at their like at her house. And I'll hear that noise and I'll like immediately sort of like revert back to being 14. It's insane. Yeah, it's very annoying. Well, I think they I think my grandfather still pays for AOL. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's their whole business model is that there's a lot of people that are still paying for it that have no idea. Yeah, like it's probably still like nineteen ninety nine a month or something (laughs) like I would pay him twenty one dollars a month to stop using it. (laughs) All right, let's get into talking about the secretary and the secretary opens up with some stand up Jerry talking about furs. Basically, what is the deal with fur coats? He doesn't understand why women are going to try to have all the hair removed from their body, but then cover themselves with a fur. Yeah, this is, I think, only the second time he's done a stand up on the difference between men and women. (laughs) 
And we also talk about how that sometimes there are hunters that wear the disguise, but we're overall, let's just get into the episode. Yeah. All right. So we start off with Jerry and George of the dry cleaner. And I know we've been tracking this stuff. I mean, how many different dry cleaners is this now that Jerry has had issues with? in 95 episodes i think this is the fourth different dry cleaners i I should have like made a list before this but i think it is the fourth different dry cleaners and we don't really see dry cleaners repeat just (laughs) because the gag is usually that they're not good at dry cleaning to be fair you could go different dry cleaners in new york city every single time and not repeat probably yeah this is like becoming a real seinfeld trope of jerry versus a dry cleaner yeah someone in the writing room someone big like jerry or larry has to be obsessed with dry cleaning oh it's definitely jerry right because if we had if we wrote like a 180 episode show together i don't think we'd end up at the dry cleaners once we wouldn't have one story about dry cleaners no never <laughs> all right so jerry and george are at the dry cleaners and so we find out that george is going to get a secretary that he's able to hire a secretary for the Yankees, so he's very excited. Now, the problem for George is that uh, he was normally be distracted by an attractive woman, so he's making the decision that he was not going to be hiring an attractive secretary. Yeah, and this is going to be the assistant to the assistant traveling secretary, so put that on your business card. Yeah, very prestigious position. And so he says that he's doing a 360, where he is going for uh, total efficiency an ability. He says that uh, he could have hired a tomato. I don't. What does that mean? I say I thought tomato meant bad, but now that I think about it, like that means like is tomato like a ten? Is that what they used to call a ten back then? Oh, I have no idea. But I never heard a attractive woman described as a tomato. I don't know. I, t- tomato is like not one of my favorite foods. Well, so I, I was saying, and yeah, it's well established that you hate both the tomato and lettuce. Yeah, I am anti lettuce. I don't. So I don't know what vegetable. I I would have to call her an artichoke. That's my favorite vegetable. Yeah. Okay. So he's all the way around. He says it's a 360. Jerry says it's a 180, whatever. And so we meet Willie the dry cleaner. And here's Willie the dry cleaner. Jerry is going to get his jacket cleaned and he needs to put his mom's fur coat into storage. This seems pretty odd to me that all of a sudden Jerry is keeping his mom's fur coat in storage up in New York. But it does make sense because... Is she going to drag it on the airplane every time she flies to New York? I guess so, but it's December. So it really almost makes, you can explain, okay, this is uh, what Jerry's doing, but it makes no sense why in an episode airing on December 8th, where it is, we see it cold and Elaine gets salt stains on a dress. There's no reason why, unless Jerry's parents have left they are not coming back to New York, and I guess we can track that through the rest of season six. There's no reason why you'd put a fur coat into storage on December 8th. Yeah, I, I agree. It doesn't make so much sense, but whatever. Maybe it was just bothering, you know, Jerry needed the closet space. <laughs> he needed the closet space. Why? Well, he's got rid of all those shoes. That's true. Yeah, he had, he probably, well, we don't know what happened. Maybe he got them back from the uh, sale. Okay. So we meet the dry cleaner, Willie, and then also uh, Willie's wife, Donna. So we got that, all those pieces in place here. Well, can I tell you a quick Donna story that I that I remember from This American Life? Yes. So Donna goes uh, in re- the real Donna, whose name is Mitzi something, Mitzi McCall, who's been married, you know, to the, to this guy who she did a sort of like a like an old school like uh, borscht belt, uh, you know, comedy routine with in the fifties and sixties and whatever, and they're still married, you know, sixty something years later or something. And so she finally gets the big gig 
to go on Johnny Carson with her husband. There's like a big This American Life episode. So they go on and this is, you know, their big break. And if you do well in Johnny, on Ed Sullivan, excuse me, not Johnny Carson. If you do well there, that like makes your career. You could play Vegas. You could, you know, you'll be set for life. And they're super excited and they practice the routine in like clubs and they're killing. And they go on and it's February 9th, 1964. And they get put on between the opening act, the Beatles, and the closing act, the Beatles, in like the fifth biggest TV event ever. Mm-hmm. Like, right, the Beatles were, you know, at the time, I think it was the number one television event of all time. Yeah. Uh, so they just like completely tank and it like ruins their career. Really? Yeah, they go on between and like the fans, the fans there were like not the normal Ed Sullivan fans. They were 14 year olds who like murdered people to get in to see the Beatles and the famous clips of everyone like screaming at the top of their lungs so loud you could barely hear the Beatles play. And they didn't realize they, you know, they were like a little older, even at the time they didn't know the Beatles were. And so they go up there and like they, you know, Ed Sullivan says like, you have to change your routine a little bit to like play to the 14 year old audience or else you're going to bomb. So they change it like that hour before they go on and they totally tank it. <laughs> and he doesn't invite them to the couch. And it's like uh, they're like traumatized. It, you know, they went on to have like I think he was a star of Silk Stockings or Stockings oh. or something. But, um, you know, they went on to have fine careers, but, you know, it was like a huge setback. And it's a funny story. On this I marathon. thought you were going to say that they did really good, but nobody cared because everybody was so distracted with the Beatles. You almost feel like if you're going to bomb, you kind of would want to bomb in between the Beatles. Everybody's talking about the Beatles the next day. Nobody's like, what was with that comedy act in the middle? Right. But you're not going to get like they're never going to invite you back. And there probably weren't a lot of conduits to like superstardom then that you could. You couldn't, they couldn't just start their own YouTube channel the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So we now see George beginning this interview process with these women. And we meet a couple different women who George is interviewing. So we have a woman who is an attractive woman, as George will point out. Uh, she talks about her qualifications are that she types 90 words a minute. She's well-versed in all IBM and Macintosh problems. George says no. He says about her, you are obviously qualified for the job. You have all the necessary skills and experience, but you're extremely attractive. You're gorgeous. I'm looking at you. I can't remember my own name, so I'm afraid this is not going to work. Thanks for coming in. Akiva, 2016. How fast is George served with a lawsuit? This would literally be like if, you know, you go to a company and like the first day they have like sexual harassment orientation. Mm -hmm. This is probably what they show. Like this is such a slam dunk case. Chester could win it. (laughs) It's almost like I think by the 1994 standards, like this isn't sexual harassment because she's not getting the job. I mean, the you're obviously qualified for the job is probably not great. <laughs> like, in, 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 you know, in the court, I feel like that's probably going to hit hard with the jury. Right. I, I feel like she's going to own the Yankees by the end of this. <laughs> and George is out of a job. Even okay. 94. Next woman comes in. Another very attractive woman. And so uh, George says to her, you're luscious. You're ravishing. I would give up red meat just to get a glimpse of you in a bra. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a great line. Give up red meat. <laughs> I mean, this really, to me, and again, th- there will be uh, more to come, but I think George comes off as a real bad guy in this episode. Oh, I, George, ne- make no mistake. He should never be viewed as a good guy. But yeah, this is, I mean, at least here he doesn't say she's qualified. Like, this one could be a buffoon. Mm-hmm. The second one. By the way, how like how hard is it on the, you know, I say this sometimes, like, the third actress, Ada, who actually gets the job. Yeah. It's like, all right, we're going to have like a smoke show come in. 
Then we're going to have like a lady who's even more attractive mm-hmm. than you. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that woman she's three. typically somebody who's like more of a demure actress sure. who it's like, okay, oh, we're going to put glasses on you. Sure. No, she's not ugly. She's just right. like they make her librarian-ish. It's just funny that like, uh, it, I don't know, if I was an actress, that would hurt my confidence, I think. But I think that she knows that she can go out and get this part. I don't think that she's like, wait, what do you mean I'm not like a uh, drop-dead gorgeous model? Yeah, no, I know. And she does actually, you know, get the get the gig here. Like, she's the one who uh, sticks around. So, yeah. And then we meet Ada, who George will ultimately hire her. And uh, that he is looking her over. And uh, she says that she has uh, great references. Uh, the only thing is that she takes care of her mom. She can't work nights. And she wants to know, will there be any late nights? And George says, I can't imagine. Yeah, no. Which is amazing how fast George turns around on her. Yeah, you're hired. So. Yes. All right. Let's go see Jerry and Elaine. And so Elaine has gotten a new dress from Barney's and she felt like it was a great dress there, but it was not such a great dress when she got it back. Yeah. By the way, this could be another class action lawsuit. The Barney's mirrors. Yeah. Why is that? Because too many people got affected by it. Yeah. You know, you get a bunch of people in on that and then it's one of not one of those big ones, but it's like Barney's has to give everyone a hundred bucks. Wow. It's like not great for you, but it messes up the company. Yeah. And so the problem was that in the store, it was Hotsy Totsy. When she came home, it was Hotsy Nazi. Yeah, I feel like Hotsy Totsy is, uh, is 1994. <laughs> oh, I think it's like 1944. Right, right. But I'm saying that you, if you said that now, people would like look at you. It would like stop traffic. <laughs> anyway, so they want to go to the movies, but Elaine's going to go try this dress on so Jerry can see what he thinks. George comes in. And he wants to tell everybody the good news about the secretary. Yeah. And he's very proud of himself that he actually, you know, displayed for once in his life a bit of a modicum of uh, control and, you know, hired the, the and not that he did the right thing. Like, it's weird. We don't know. She might not be the most qualified. Right. The first one might have been more qualified. We're not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he hired the ugly one. So maybe he didn't even do the right thing. But anyway, so he's uh, very excited. He doesn't know why he didn't have a secretary before. I mean, does the assistant to the traveling secretary always get a secretary? I'm not sure. Have you ever had a secretary or assistant? Um, ne- I've never had a person. I've had like a group of people have one secretary, but I've never had my own secretary. Yeah. No, I've never had it either. Yeah, I could imagine it's it's nice. Yeah, I, the problem is I'm, I'm always like, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like nowadays secretary usually runs the show anyway. So I would be like, uh, like oh, what can I do for you? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you say it in that voice? I don't know, but the, the secretary... I feel like uh, that's like that. Like the the tip when you start in an office is like be nice to the secretary. Oh yeah, and if you don't know that, you're you're an idiot. Sure, yeah, you have to like you know give, give her something nice the first day. Either you work there or she works there, and like kiss up to her because that's really where the bread is buttered. Because like the secretary knows everything that's going on. Yeah. Okay. So George is talking about how he did the right thing. He's very proud of himself. Jerry says to him, "Yeah, a lesser man would have crumbled." And would have gone for the dish and the surefire sexual harassment suit. But it's almost like that Jerry and George are unaware that uh, George is just as culpable in some sort of sexual harassment lawsuit for what he did. Yeah, even though he didn't hire the tomato. Yes. <laughs> or the dish. Yeah. All right. So here comes Elaine and she walks in. Could you describe Elaine's outfit for somebody who has not seen the episode recently, Akiva? Uh, it's hard. It is incredibly uh, revealing for 1994. I'm shocked even that like, I mean, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is a great sport, but like some actresses would have said, no, I'm not even bothering. There's like slits in insane places, including like the middle of the dress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's also really puffy where like you can't tell she has a stomach. 
Yeah, but like it reveals like weird parts. It's like both unattractive and incredibly revealing at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jerry's like, yeah, it's a little. And Elaine very quickly keys in that it's bad. I mean, she knows it's bad. Uh, and so George says, your arms look like something hanging in a kosher deli. Akiva, can you vouch for that? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, right. It is like those giant salamis that are hanging off. I don't. You don't really see those in kosher delis, to be honest. But yeah, I hear what he's saying. <laughs> so <laughs> Elaine says the woman in the store at Barney's walked by and said she looked like Demi Moore. And uh, Jerry has a funny line. said, well, how fast was she walking? <laughs> and then they argue if it's Demi or Demi, which I really don't know the answer to. <laughs> yeah. George says, uh, really? I never heard of a semi tractor trailer. I mean, I don't know if that's a great proof, but I hear what he's saying. So Elaine comes out and she's convinced, uh, skinny mirrors, it had to have been, they have skinny mirrors at Barney's. I mean, that had to have been a thing for Elaine to just think of it. Like that had to have been something that was in the news. Yeah, I bet it probably was someplace. I mean, especially considering that, you know, the women that wrote this episode, maybe they know about a place that has skinny mirrors or something like that. Like, I'm sure that there is some truth to this story. Yeah, now that I think about it, you know, this is a rare episode written by two women. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a little bit of, um, you know, we're in the women's dressing room and stuff. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's more to sort of, uh, we're getting a little bit more of the female perspective in this episode. Yeah. Okay. So Jerry says, no way, no skinny mirrors. And Elaine <laughs> points to herself and says, do you think I would have bought this dress if I didn't have skinny mirrors? Yeah, I like Kramer's response also when yeah. he comes in. He comes in. So uh, he wants to know why is Elaine dressed like that? And Elaine says she's returning this dress. And Kramer says, uh, good idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear. There's no way. The mirrors couldn't just be skinny. They have to be like, show you. They'd have to show you a different dress for this (laughs) turd. I thought this was a good idea. (laughs) Anyway, so Kramer comes in and they are going to begin this storyline of that Kramer needs to get moisturizer from Barney's. Right, which sounds weird, you know, but uh, like I think everything in this episode, there there is a tie-in. There's really very few loose ends in this episode. Yes, he needs moisturizer with Uva. That's the good stuff. How do you spell Uva? What is Uva? I believe it's UVA. I don't know what it is. I think that, uh, what is Uva? I think that Uva is, you know, I really don't know anything about Uva. I don't even know if Uva is still a thing. Yeah, it might not exist anymore. It might <laughs> maybe like the FDA or something or whoever, FCC. I don't know who's in charge of that stuff. Like Not the FCC, I don't think. Are you sure? I don't know. They have like a big reach. I don't know. It's, there's too much there's too much government that's what i hate. all right so kramer he needs to get his hands on some of this moisturizer or get some of this moisturizer on his hands and so where he's going to uh begin that storyline here in the episode everybody else is going to go to the movies uh yeah I, it, there is like some wacky combinations of people in this episode also yeah although I, we never see the we never see the promised i mean i guess we do see it we see the promised Kramer Lane combo which is a rarity i should say that kramer is also going to the movies it seems like it's uh, jerry Elaine and Kramer at the movies and George is busy with his secretary story. Yeah, even though they said he's not working late, he's very clearly working late when when whatever happens with George happens. Okay, so George is working with Ada and he's working on some plans. Like It seems like that if George is the assistant of the traveling secretary, they start off, okay, they're talking travel business, but then why is changing the oil in the popcorn at Yankee Stadium anything that's in within george's purview i have a theory yes now we know the baseball strike is going on right uh yes so maybe there's very little to do so they had to lay people off and now george has maybe other people's responsibilities in the interim okay 
All right. So that he is working on this with her and she is like, okay, we can do it. It's only going to be half a cent more per bag. So it's definitely doable. What is the point of changing the oil to canola oil that George, it feels like this will be healthier for the Yankee stadium patrons. No, they probably want better tasting. I don't feel like if if you're not going to George for healthier. Hmm. So what were they using? I mean, you'd have to name a bunch of different types of oil. And then I would guess, I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay. Motor oil. I don't know. So George is really blown away at how proficient she is, and he can't believe that she's so efficient, she's so flattered. Anything that he thinks of, she seems to be one step ahead of him, and he's very impressed, and he ends up asking her, do you know what I'm thinking about now? Yes, as, and as the lawyer at the trial one day will uh, discuss. Yes. She says, yes, I think I do. And George wants to know, is it doable? And she says, it's definitely doable. Now, by the way, is this the most uncomfortable scene in the whole show? In the boy. whole series? <laughs> there's I'm some like noises. behind a pillow watching this. Yeah, there's some noises in this scene that do oh, make boy. this pretty uncomfortable. Oh, I, boy. I might add. Yeah, I, would, I, like, I would have to turn the volume down. My kids are home or something. Yeah. <laughs> boy. <sighs> George, George, you know, I mean, what's worse, this or the cleaning lady back when he was a pendant? Uh, in, oh, the noise, not the noises. You mean just what's in the general? Act, the act. I mean, she's been there for two days. This just shows like that he's completely out of control as a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is after he went out of his way not to hire. To be fair, there's no way he could have landed either of the first two. Mm-hmm. So right. this ended up backfiring on him because he might have hit on the other two, but he wasn't he wasn't coming close. Right. Unless they really wanted a raise, but I'm not sure they, <laughs> you know. I don't think that that was the intention. <laughs> I don't even know what uh, the attention was for Ada because she's not asking for a raise in these scenes. Yeah, but she is like probably lonely because she's at home with her sick mom all the time. So I guess George is like the only guy she knows. This is exciting that it's like working at Yankee Stadium. and Maybe that George is coming off like the real life Don Draper. Sure. And and if you turn your boss down on day two, then you're going to get fired probably. But. You know, she, that he didn't really, it's like, he asked, can you, th- do you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> so, I mean, tell that to the jury. I feel like, I feel I, like I don't know like, if she ultimately turned him down. Uh, she could have said something like, uh, like a two for one cotton candy. Like, no, no, that's not it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he, I guess he could have spun it. You're right. <laughs> so anyway, here we go with uh, Jerry and Elaine. And they come out of the movie theater. What movie did they see? Is it clear? No, they don't say. I was trying to like squint and see behind them, but it's not very clear. Disappointing because Seinfeld does such a great job of all of the fake movies. No mention of what Jerry and Elaine went to go see. And we find out that Elaine says she can't believe the murderer was the wife. I mean, that's so obvious. Yeah, which I think maybe the spoiler you know, alert rules were not as popular then, but... You have to know now, walking out of a movie theater, you can't say something like that. Oh, yeah. You'd be shot now. Oh, no. I mean, you, yeah. And, and no judge would convict the person who shot. <laughs> so many uh, legal cases coming out of this episode so far. Yeah, really. The, the aftermath, it's like the, it's like the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight. The aftermath is going to be years of lawsuits. <laughs> okay. And so Kramer ends up coming out. And so he ends up, he met Uma Thurman. And he is getting Uma Thurman's phone number. What are the chances... Uma Thurman is giving out her real phone number to Kramer. I mean, if you're Uma Thurman and you're dating a civilian that you met at the movie theater that like, but if, but let's say she is, which is, you know, slightly unlikely. But, it, you know, Kramer does have the Kavorka. It's possible. How else in 1994 is she getting in touch with him? 
mm-hmm. don't think it's that crazy. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's just no other options. Like now you'd maybe give an email or you could even give your assistant's email. But it would, you know, I feel like it would be hard. You could give an assistant's phone number or you could say, give me your number. I'll call you and block the number. Okay. Even Elaine is blown away. Jerry just chalks it up to the Kavorka. Uh, yeah, I'm mean, listen, Kramer at this point is on a real hot streak. He could pick up almost anybody. All right. So as they are leaving the movie theater, the Paragon, Jerry says, hey, is that my dry cleaner? And it looked like he was wearing my jacket, but he's not sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, th- there would be no way to prove it. But uh, if, if not for the mistake, the dry cleaner makes. OK, let's go back to George and Ada back at Yankee Stadium. Now, again, there was seemed like there was no closing of the blinds or anything like that. It seems like they're just like very much like in, in the middle of George's office with, the, the, you know, their big clear window behind him where anybody could seemingly be walking by. But here is George and Ada. And I don't know exactly what's going on. At first, uh, she says to him, no, 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 no. A better way to reach the bra would be to undo the jacket and then go around the back of the shirt. That's, I mean, that seems pretty common sense. <laughs> Listen, George doesn't have a lot of experience. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, my God, you're incredible. And then she tells him to do something with a pillow here. I have no idea what is going on at this moment. Yeah, I wish I knew, but I, I, I don't. And whatever happened, happened in like seven seconds. Yeah. You know, and they're both yelling at the top of their lungs. So this Ada, maybe maybe she deserves a raise. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know what's going on. She tells him to get a pillow. He grabs it. She tells him to put it somewhere. And then all of a sudden, within seconds, he is moaning in ecstasy. Very uncomfortable yelling from both of them. And they're clothed at this point. Yes. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You know, what is, is very happening? TVPG. <laughs> what is happening uh, with that pillow? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, this, I, it's, it's hard to watch this scene. <laughs> all right. And then, <laughs> and then after that, uh, I, I do like that she calls him Mr. Costanza. <laughs> yeah, like she's Australian or something. <laughs> yeah. And he says, Ada, I'm giving you a raise. <laughs> really the most famous, you know, part of the episode. All right. So we come back to Jerry and George at Monks. And like in so many of these episodes, Jerry and George are at Monks and George is filling Jerry in on what had just happened. Uh, yeah, this is a, this at this point, we've seen this like 20 times in the last season or two. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you mean, you know, Jerry, it's just Jerry and George and Jerry's saying, so you mean, and he's just parroting back what happened right, you know, before the commercial. Yeah, well, we've already seen. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Jerry is finding out about how George said he was going to give her a raise and we also find out that Jerry uh, establishes that in no way are you authorized to be giving out raises. No. No. <laughs> I mean, so he could say, I mean, if George just goes back and says, like, I'm sorry, uh, you know, I, I like I it's not my fault. Steinbrenner is just in a cranky mood because of the strike. By the way, people are getting fired because of the strike and she's getting an extra 25K. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if what happens if George just says, like, couldn't do it? I guess then. She's going to the boss and being like, well, he slept with me. And yeah. then, now, is this a real thing that did people that worked for baseball front offices get laid off because of the strike? Uh, yeah, def- uh, I mean, I don't remember uh, 1994, but certainly in even in like the NFL uh, lockout or, you know, whatever was going on a few years ago and the NHL striking the NBA. Yeah, definitely. First, the ticket sales go immediately. They all get fired. Sometimes they get fired after a season if it's sold out even because mm-hmm. like, there's nothing for them to do. So, yeah, all those minor employees go immediately. Yeah, teams will really downsized during a strike okay anyway so jerry asks george so you're just so grateful that you're having sex you'll just shout out anything that comes into your head 
<laughs> it's funny, like Jerry's confident. Like he, you know, he's like, uh, yeah, this happens to me a lot. For you, this is, you know, like a unicorn. So yeah, Jerry says, why not just chalk it up to body talk? <laughs> Could be a hashtag for this episode. Body yeah, talk. I don't know. I, I hopefully we could beat that. Jo- but George says uh, he didn't say anything else. This was his only. Uh... <laughs> and again, you would think that Jerry would learn his lesson after last week at the mom and pop store when he started making fun of the John Voight pencil and uh, talked about all the different other things uh, that he could potentially uh, all these other artifacts from different Hollywood stars. And George made him get out of the car. Uh, he says, well, maybe you could have sex with her again and take it back. Yeah, and, and Jerry really shouldn't be judging because Jerry's the one who says, you, you know, you mean the panties your mother laid out for you. <laughs> so Jerry's not exactly the king of body talk himself. <laughs> All right, so George says, okay, the only thing he can do is go to Mr. Steinbrenner and go into his office and say he should give Ada a raise. Sure, I, that's the direct line of succession. George Steinbrenner, George Costanza. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Jerry wants to know how long has she been there, and George explains uh, just for uh, three days. <laughs> yeah, which he knows, by the way. <laughs> okay, all right. So now Jerry then puts his hand in his pocket and finds that he has the movie stub from the movie that the dry cleaner would have been going into. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Willie, if you're gonna, you know, wear someone's coat out, got to be a little smoother. Check the pockets at the end of the day. Okay, all right. We see Elaine and Kramer now at the department store. And so she's looking in the mirror. She thinks the dress looks good, but she thinks it could be false reflecting. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's only one mirror and it's a crazy mirror. And I like I do like Barney's sort of how how uh, evil they are here that like this is such a, you know, a, a diabolical plan that like make the only mirror the skinny mirror. And then people are tricked into buying this stuff. So Kramer is wearing sort of a crazy outfit. He says that you have to get dressed up if you're going to go shopping on Madison Avenue. Do you buy this plot line that Kramer is wearing sort of this kooky outfit to go and pick up some moisturizer at Barney's? It's a little weird that Kramer is wearing a suit here, right? That I, I almost feel like they need a reason for Kramer to be wearing a suit, like he's meeting someone after or something. Yeah. And so... He's wearing this this outfit. Maybe he's just like on a high high because of the whole Uma Thurman thing. Maybe. Maybe he's like, oh, I got to be, you know, uh, you know, I have to be more of a classy guy if I'm going to take out an Uma. I mean, you can imagine Uma Thurman coming back to Kramer's apartment. <laughs> I don't think it would be the craziest thing to happen on the show. No, but I feel like Uma's getting out of there pretty quickly. Yeah, maybe. But I think that maybe he, she thinks like maybe he's like some sort of like artsy, like New York City kind of guy. I guess maybe that's the type of guy Uma's into. I'm not sure who she's uh, married. or. We have no idea. Yeah. So Kramer, ultimately, he gets his moisturizer and he's saying, oh, Uma is going to love this. So he's very happy. And in comes Banya, appearance number two. By the way, Uma Thurman's middle name, Uma Karuna. Uma Karuna? Yeah, Thurman. Okay. Yeah, so Banya, yeah, Banya right out of nowhere. We just saw him and boom, we get Banya again. Banya is back, baby. And Banya is looking for a new suit, and we establish that Banya is no longer a 40. He's now a 42. He's been working out. He's huge. He's now the same jacket size as Kramer. Yeah, really. I, I At least the, the writers are getting to the point where they remember, like, past plot points from a few episodes ago. <laughs> but, like, why did – it's very complicated how they're, like, different – suit sizes so soon after and not only jacket sizes but even though they're in different heights right that banya is shorter than michael richards and so he's saying that it's hard to find pants that don't make you look high-waisted and they both have the same problem yeah and so that banya is very taken with kramer's fancy suit and he wants to buy it off of him 
and he's going to make an offer for this suit. He wants to buy it for $100, $100 for Kramer's suit. And again, this is 1994 money. This ends up going for a ridiculous amount of money for yeah. a used suit. Ultimately, $300 for Kramer's suit that he is wearing. Forget like game worn. This is actually the suit he is literally wearing. And we don't know Kramer's bathing situation, but I, I would believe, you know, uh, <laughs> that it might not be like an everyday type thing. Yeah. Okay, so we'll come back to Kramer and Banya at the dressing room uh, in a minute. But first, we get go back to George and George Steinbrenner. First time we get one of these George Steinbrenner office scenes, correct? Uh, yeah, we saw Steinbrenner, but it was in the hall. The in the hallway. Time, the only other time we saw him. And correct. this is going to be sort of like a classic Seinfeld scene. Not necessarily this one in particular, but this scene of George Steinbrenner behind the desk and George coming in and then... Eventually, like at the end of the episode, when he just walks out as Steinbrenner is still talking, we're going to see this time after time. Sure. And, you know, when you we saw these episodes for the first time, you don't really know Larry's voice. I mean, it's obviously the same voice you hear in the background in many episodes. But now it's just now all you're hearing is Larry David talk to Jerry to George. Yeah. And so George tries to pitch to Mr. Steinbrenner that uh, he needs a raise for his secretary. She supports her whole family. And uh, that her mom has some uh, diverticulitis uh, right now. And uh, it turns out George Steinbrenner has also had that and knocked him on his ass. <laughs> yeah, I think the only, you know, that's like an uncommon injury. Who knew? Yeah. Brock Lesnar had it. <laughs> and so George says that uh, his secretary is so poor that she can't even afford to go out to lunch. She has to go to high school cafeterias and pretend to be a teacher. It's pathetic. Uh, I like that Mr. Steinberg is like, uh, so what does that run for now? Two and a quarter? <laughs> yeah, Steinberg has a good point, which is like, it's probably cheaper in 94 to bring, uh, to bring you know, lunch from home. Yeah. But I, I can't make fun too much because when I was in college, I would, um, they would, there's always, a, it, one of the best parts about going to college is the free food, mm-hmm. right? There's always some dumb club that tries to get you with like free pizza or free burgers or something. But yeah. I was married and I lived like right next to the college campus uh, for a couple years after I was, you know, after I had graduated and I was already working. And some nights I would come home and like my wife would still be at work or, or maybe she was still in grad school. And I would like, oh, man, I'm not gonna be able to eat anything. And I'd see some sign like, hey, you know, come in the chess club or, you know, there's like Monday night football, or whatever. And we're giving out, you know, chicken wings. So I did that all the time, uh, you know, eat, eat the equivalent of eat at the school cafeteria. I figured like I paid you know, 120 grand or 150 grand for college, whatever it was. I could, you know, they could throw me a few more wings. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I sold so, the ID. <laughs> and so uh, ultimately, Mr. Steinbrenner's phone rings and George, uh, George Steinbrenner takes the call and he doesn't give George an answer about the raise for Ada. Uh, no, it, you never get an answer. It's just resolved off screen. You never get an answer from Steinbrenner when you ask him for something because he just mutters to himself and you walk out. Yeah. Anyway, so Elaine is in the changing room and she is trying on another dress there at Barney's and Kramer stands up and he is now completely just in his underwear. Now, did we establish in the previous episode about Kramer's underwear situation? Didn't we land on that Kramer goes commando now? Yes. And what and what are these are sort of tidy whities What would you call these? I would say he's back on the jockeys. Yeah, these are well boxers, right? I thought that these were jockeys. Okay, they're just like yeah, they're yeah. I guess yeah. I mean, I don't know what they do. What would you rather? Would you rather them just like blurkle out what's going on and, and <laughs> <laughs> blur out? I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> I think it's called Blurkle. Is that what? It, is that the official? I mean, uh, that you've worked in TV production. That, uh, yeah, that's but that. you probably had to be Blurkled. I've never had to be Blurkled. No, were you, you were never, never Blurkled. I've never been. There blurkled. was Blurkling on the show that you were on. <laughs> yeah, I've Urban always Dictionary. heard it as blurring. I yes, have to say, okay. I've never Urban, heard Rob. Rob, yes, Urban Dictionary. The blurry sign they use to cover offensive material on television. Okay, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying I had not ever heard of Blurkle. Yeah, so in with the chocolate scene in in, in Survivor season six, there was yeah. a lot of blur. I thought that was what they did to obfuscate the face of the nerdy neighbor on Family Matters. Well, wasn't that usually using like trick trick camera work? Like you, they don't Blurkle him; they sort of hide him behind the tall fence. <laughs> well, that's home improvement. You're getting all oh, your I'm shows. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I was th- I was thinking of Wilson. But, but family, ma- are you pro family matters being brought back? No, you're not. I think didn't you discuss that on a recent podcast? Yeah, I talked about podcasts. what should be the next Fuller House, and you know, family matters seems like the obvious one. I just don't know if family matters is as beloved as the you know the principles from Full House have sort of you know been iconic. I don't really know outside of people that send Eric Stein uh, Facebook requests. I don't know just how much uh, Reginald Dell Johnson is beloved and you know how much people really other than Urkel. He'll do it though. Reginald will show up if you He'll will. do it. <laughs> Urkel is iconic, but I don't know if any of the other characters from the well, show. I don't know if you'd have to pay Urkel a lot. I feel like he really hates being the Urkel guy. I feel like he thought he was Stefan. I feel like he did a Kia commercial recently as Urkel. And listen, they must have offered him a lot of money. I, I will say with the Fuller House, I haven't seen it, but I walked in to my office last night, late last night, and I caught my wife unironically watching the first episode of Fuller House. And the first thing she said was, do not mention that I was doing this on the podcast. Um, but I think she's asleep, so it's okay. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a correction. Uh, Jaleel White is in a Scion car commercial. Oh, that, well, that changes everything. Scion was throwing him 500 grand. 500 yeah, grand? No, I think he really hates the Urkel stuff. I think he if does. If he's on Twitter, too. he blocks for Urkel, probably. If you mention <laughs> Urkel, he's like Jalen Rose with 81. <laughs> I don't know. Can we get him on the podcast? Uh, de- I mean, he would have, have to have been on Seinfeld. We're going to have to trick him. Like, we really liked your work and, you know, and make up some movie that he was in in like the 80s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I don't know exactly how we got to this point from Blurkle. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we finished the episode. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so uh, Kramer needs Jerry to bring him close. That's the long story short here of this. Now, why didn't Kramer get, take Banya's clothes? I, you know, I remember wondering this in 1994, and it's still, you know, there are people when we get to the, uh, the emails that have theories on this. But it, it's, it is a great mystery. I, I don't understand really what Kramer's thinking, but Kramer often does rash things without thinking. Yeah, I guess the thing about it is that Banya probably didn't put the suit on immediately. He needs to leave with the suit. He bought the suit. He didn't probably take off his current clothes. So, right. Or he could say, like, Banya, go across the street to, like, a 99-cent store and buy me, like, a pair of shorts and an right. undershirt or something. But Banya isn't Kramer's, like, personal assistant. No, but maybe instead of 300, get, like, 280 out of the deal and have him go run and fetch you, you know, a T-shirt. But I, mean, I think that you know, Kramer feels like he's ripping off Banya so bad that sure. he just wants to get the transaction over yeah, with. Yeah, he wants Banya out of there before yeah. he changes his mind. And then he'll <laughs> figure out the rest from there. All right. Yeah, $300 can buy you a lot of T-shirts. Yeah, so we go to Jerry now back at the dry cleaner. And so with Willie, and he's asking Willie, uh, so uh, you seen any good movies lately? And Willie's like, I don't get it. And so Jerry flat out accuses Willie of being at the 930 show at the Paragon. I saw you with my jacket and he presents the movie ticket stuff. I was thinking today, like Seinfeld is really 
at the heart of the show, it's sort of just the message is small business owners are evil. <laughs> like, look at last week with the mom and pop store and the laundromat and the other dry cleaners. And I mean, really small business owners get off you know, really badly here. Yeah, they're all just trying to stick it to you. And sure. it's really your word against theirs. And they're all trying to screw you over. Yeah, but Willie is beyond busted here. Yeah. So a little bit uh, busted for Willie. And so Jerry says, you know what? That's it. I'm not taking my clothes here anymore. And give me back my mom's fur coat. And how shady is Willie? Like the, the oh, you need the ticket thing is, you know, like bad insult to injury, Willie. Like now you're, you're going to get your bad name spread around the town. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like doubly shady. First he says, oh, you need the ticket. And then Jerry says, I don't have the ticket. And he's like, Jerry, I can't do anything. Do you know how big those fur storage warehouses are? And then it's like, well... Hold on a second. Uh, you know, if it, if it wasn't even here in the first place, you know, why is he making it seem like he can go get it if he had the ticket? Right. And, and if it's not there, why can't he say, OK, you have to come back tomorrow? It's not like a same day thing because we can't keep all these giant furs in a tiny Manhattan store. Right. Why can't he take the ticket and just call up his wife and say, hey, can we get the fur? Like this is going to have to come to a head at some point. Mm-hmm. Unless they're just, you know, kleptomaniacs, these two, which is possible. <laughs> that is possible. All right. So now we go back to Barney's and Elaine is standing in front of the mirror. She doesn't trust the new mirror here at the Barney's. She needs a nonpartisan mirror. Yes. And there's and Barney's is probably like 14 levels, but this is the only mirror. OK, so she's going to go run off and we're going to see Elaine on the street. So here's George now with Ada. George is with Ada, who obviously now has gotten the raise. She's so happy. It was so generous. She can't believe it. George is being like totally smug about it. And Ava ends up saying that, I know, I can't believe, uh, but this was so generous. 25000 It's such a big raise that it's almost like a gift to like a, you know, a poor lady. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I, what was she making that she that she got a twenty five? Well, let's do rate. the math on this. So, what mm-hmm. was George making, and what was Ada making? Because I think that this uh, math gets a little tricky. Okay, so they would have said he doubled my salary if she was making twenty five grand. That's what I think. Okay, so my guess is she was making thirty, George was making fifty, and then she gets the twenty five to go up to fifty five because this is nineteen ninety four. Okay, was fifty grand? I mean. Uh, does that sound right for the assistant to the traveling secretary for the Yankees? And again, he's an assistant. He's not exactly. It's 1984, so I don't know mm-hmm. like Manhattan salaries. He could be a little more, but he's not making six figures. Like he could be in the 60s, possibly. Yeah, I really don't think. Again, he just got this job, so it's not like he's been there for a while. I'm sure there's room for growth if you're good. I, I I'm gonna go with like he's in the 55k range, you know, give or take. Like so five ten thousand dollars. What are the Yankee executive salaries like? Are they like paying big money for that? Are they like over the luxury tax on executive salaries? I mean, a lot. I feel like a lot of them were family members. You know, there's a lot of like in laws and stuff. <laughs> you know, I don't know what uh, who's the GM then? Stick Michael. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's making a lot of money. I yeah. mean, now the GMs are making like two million, but back okay. then he was probably making like four hundred grand. So George is mad, and he says, "Wait, hold on. Now you make more than I am." A secretary cannot make more than her boss, which I agree with. I think that's completely insane. But it's even more insane that George tells the secretary that because now she's thinking like, oh, you know, that gives her the one up. You don't want to give her the hand in this relationship. Yeah. And he says, well, apparently they can. <laughs> I had I had a situation this week where someone I had to co-sign on like a family member, like for a house thing. Yes. And OK, I don't mind because they, they did it for me once upon a time. But then they were like, oh, like we need your uh, your last two pay stubs. 
mm-hmm. you know, for the lawyer needs it for whatever the people were selling just to make sure that you actually have money or you make whatever. So now I'm like, wait, like I didn't have a problem co-signing, but now I have to like show you how much I make. That's like, I don't want, like, I don't know how much you make. That's not fair in this relationship, mm-hmm. you know? So that was like a, a dirty trick. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, I'll send, I'll email it to the lawyer. Not that I care, but I feel like this was like, this isn't part of the deal, you know? Yeah. You want some like you sort can of... ask me what I make or ask me to cosign, but you can't ask for both. <laughs> yeah, you want some sort of confidentiality. <laughs> sure, and it's your family. Like if it was a friend, that's one thing, but I don't want like because then it's getting back to all your relatives. Who you know who needs that? Because if it's more than they think, that's sure. like oh well, you know why that's was a you know right. And if it's less, they you know they go to your wife and like oh you got to dump that loser. <laughs> <laughs> I should hope they don't say that. Yeah, pro- hopefully not. But listen, that's that's where it starts. Right. It changes everything. Yeah. You don't want that. That's like, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So now Elaine is on the sidewalk and she's like walking around trying to find a mirror. She ends up in sort of like in one of the drugstore mirrors, like looking at the dress. And uh, she's uh, she says, oh, I'm not this hippie in terms of her dress. And a man comes out of the store and she says to him, hey, what do you think of this? And he says, you'll never pull that off. Yeah. Is hippie curvy? I guess so. I've never heard the expression hippie. Not in terms of a person talking about their actual hips. No, that would be like yuppies and hippies, but I don't think that's what she meant. (laughs) Okay. So now, miracle of all miracles, Jerry ends up going into Barney's. He's looking for the moisturizer department because he wants to find Kramer to get the ticket. He hears Kramer's voice coming from the women's dressing room, and he ends up going in there to go and talk to Kramer. And he doesn't know why Kramer is in the women's dressing room. Right. That's not really explained at this point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, everyone everyone keeps piling into this women's dressing room, which nobody minds that there's tons of men there. No, who are like talking very loudly. Sure. And I, I, I am not like really experienced with women's dressing rooms, but I feel like in a women's clothing store, there's probably just a lot of women like back there trying on stuff, not necessarily in the like the closet rooms, especially if it's over full. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's a lot of fellas allowed back there. No, definitely not. And so that Jerry wants to get the ticket and Kramer explains that it was in the suit that he sold to Banya. Yeah. What a what a complicated web web we weave in this uh, scene. On top of that, he realizes that on that same dry cleaning ticket, he wrote down Uma Thurma's phone number, which he also gave away in the suit. A lot of valuable information on this tiny piece of paper. Yeah. But (laughs) what I don't understand is that why did Kramer have this dry cleaning information in his pocket of the new suit that he was wearing. It's not the clothes that he was wearing that night. Like, why is he walking around with the dry cleaning ticket with Uma Thurma's phone number today? Wait, so let's work this back. Yeah. So they're at the they're at the movie theater. Kramer is is not wearing that suit there. At that the is movie correct. Theater, right. Right. He get he asks for a piece of paper from Jerry. Right. Mm hmm. Which is the which is the uh, the dry cleaning ticket? It's and not even writes, the dry cleaning ticket. It's the fur ticket, right? The fur, the ticket for the fur. Yeah. Which you should, I, I think, usually maybe the fur is different, but you usually get one ticket for everything you bring in at once. But I guess the fur is in a different factory. It's its own. It might be one in the same. Species. Yeah. So he goes. He goes to. Uh, he he takes this piece of paper with Uma Thurman's phone number. And now I guess he's carrying it around because, uh, you know, he wants to, he's not going to call right away. But then at this point, he's already call, has he called her. He hasn't called her yet. So he's probably just carrying around the dry, the, the dry cleaning ticket. So he's just going to call her later. So he needs to keep the. Yeah, you don't want to act desperate. You don't call right away. You, you got to know this stuff, right? But why Especially doesn't he Thurman. leave Uma Thurman's phone number at his house? 
maybe he's going to be out all day and he's going to find like a good place or time to call Uma and say like, hey, do you want to meet up? Like, yeah, I'm sure he's got a plan. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think this is like a total plot hole. Okay. All right. So the ticket had Uma Thurman's number on there. And uh, Jerry's like, how did you expect to get out of here? And uh, Kramer, uh, he does not think ahead. He was not thinking ahead. Similar to George with the raise with Ada. Right. And it's not the only, you know, it's, it's like George. It reminds me of George getting stuck by the uh, prostitute, you know, who robs him in, on the subway with his pants. All right. So Elaine comes back in the store. She's not going to take the dress. The woman says, oh, no, you are. You wore it outside. There's salt stains all over the bottom of the dress. I like this woman, this actress. She's, she's really tough. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, she seems like she could be a bigger character. Okay. So Elaine ends up having to uh, buy the dress. Okay. So here comes Banya. Now he comes back to the store. He wants to know where's Kramer. Right. Because the, the moisturizer cream has ruined the suit. Okay. So at what point did Kramer's quote unquote Nancy boy cream leak all over the pocket? Probably he was walking around. That's Banya doesn't Banya's even know. words, what... not mine. Sure. I, ba- Banya's walking around, doesn't know that the cream is in there. She probably doesn't feel it right away. It starts in the pocket. It's like when a pen explodes. Like, you don't know right away. Yeah. But also, on top of this, Kramer bought this expensive moisturizer from Barney's and left it in the pocket of the suit that he sold to Banya. I mean, he's rubbing it around. I'm sh- I wasn't paying attention, but I bet we could see him. I, I shouldn't bet because they're not always great with this consistency, but they probably show him putting it in his pocket when he's done with it. But why doesn't Kramer take any of his possessions out of the pocket of the pants that he is selling. I mean, did he keep his wallet or he doesn't carry right. a wallet? Well, we know we see him. The wallet's in his underwear. We see the wallet in his underwear when okay. he's when he's getting dressed. Yeah. Um, so they're actually pretty good with the consistency here. I think Kramer is just makes bad, rash decisions. And as you said, was in a rush to get the 300 bucks because, you know, maybe the drug dealing like the shipment wasn't in that month. And mm-hmm. he was a little short on cash. Yeah. I, I think with Kramer. Like when I put clothes in the, the washing machine, my wife's always like, oh, give me that. But, you know, empty the pockets before you give it to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I forget about when I'm, you know, selling a suit, of course, I'm going to check the pockets. But Kramer's a different species. Yeah. Also, didn't we establish in the raincoats that Kramer does not carry a wallet anymore? Uh, yeah, but he's cl- the wallet's in his underwear here. OK. All right. So <laughs> then uh, we end up with Jerry having to go and negotiate with Danya. And he needs that dry cleaning ticket back. And so he says to Banya, the offer is, if you give me back the ticket, I'll take you to a nice dinner. Uh, by the way, the writers must have loved Banya to bring him back this quickly. How many episodes is that? I think it's like in shooting order. I th- it's only uh, it's the next episode in shooting order. Wow. So maybe it's they two just, in airtime. Maybe it's just they knew it was a multiple part, like uh, where Elaine's friend. How many episodes was it? for the woman who was dating the high talker and then had another boyfriend that they made her get rid of. I think that was back to back, right? Yeah. But but uh, it's a little weird. I don't usually pay attention to the production order. <laughs> uh, but here you have, you know, you have the soup, then the mom and pop store, and then the gymnast. Doesn't really make a ton of sense that, that they, like, unless they didn't want it to seem like, like a mini two-parter with Banya. I'm not quite sure why they, they split them up, but it's a question for another day. Yeah. Okay. So we end up with Banya negotiating up to two meals at Mendy's. Yeah. Banya is like, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of a, like a nebbishy guy, but he's also a good negotiator. Yeah, he is. He, well, he's stubborn. And he clearly has zero friends. 
Yeah. Although his comedy must be going well for him to shell out 300 bucks for the suit. Right. And he loves Mendy's and he loves suits. And he loves working out. I mean, why? I, I guess he answers this in the last scene, but it's funny that he wants to go to the same restaurant where he didn't even eat anything last time. Yeah. Like it's Manhattan. There's thousands of restaurants and you're also you're getting this like you just paid three hundred dollars for the suit. Now Jerry needs a favor. Hit him up for like, you know, 11 Madison Park or something. Don't go to Mendy's. He loves Mendy's. Yeah, but there's so like go to like per se or one of these like thousand, you know, Matsu. I don't know what it's called, but there's like a thousand dollar you know, a meal sushi dinner. Don't, don't stick at Mendy's. That's, you know, $19. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go back to George and George Steinbrenner. And George is explaining to Mr. Steinbrenner that the whole thing is out of whack. Secretary cannot make more money than the boss. Right. But Steinbrenner is not really listening. He, he's blathering on about his own stuff. He's talking about a bakery truck. He was hitchhiking one time in Cleveland. He had to hitchhike to work. He was on a bakery truck uh, that stuff smells really good. Try being cooped up back there with some of those babies. He couldn't look at a donut for two years, uh, even though he was never one for sweets. Yeah, and Star- he's also trying to tell him that he's not a self-made man, <laughs> which I think the story is that Steinbrenner was like bankrupt almost. You know, he wasn't a wealthy man when he bought the Yankees. Yeah. like Or his other business died like right afterwards, but yeah. now they're doing okay. Yeah, and so uh, he likes a cupcake every now and then like everybody else, and he likes cream on the inside. That's a surprise. Chocolate cupcakes are good too. Sometimes he mixes the two together and make a vanilla. Fo- Who's mixing cupcakes together? Yeah, that's crazy. But listen, the, billionaires do eccentric things. I guess I do so. like, these are clearly just like Larry improvising ridiculous rants. Mm-hmm. Right, where George isn't even reacting to it. He's just like going to walk out. And it's like they probably just did the whole thing in post. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah, this is all in my guess is this is all in post. Not in I the think. script at all. Uh, you know, with this story, though, and this is it for George in the story. I feel like that this is a story which is like a beginning and a middle. But does the story of George and Ada, the secretary, have an actual ending? Well, we see Ada. She accuses him of being a communist next week. But I don't believe the money part of the storyline has an ending. <laughs> or the sex, right? Right. It, it, right. It, it, that's a good point. Because I did say that everything really ties together here. But I guess this is the whole where they don't. It's almost like missing a scene where like, does a, like Ada either says, like, this is why I'm not going to snitch on you. But I guess maybe it's like, why would Ada snitch? She's making a lot of money. Why would she cost herself a job potentially Yeah, just to yeah. fire George? But it's almost like that George has sex with his secretary. Shouldn't there be some consequence to it other than that now his secretary makes more money than him? I mean, the consequence all comes like if we're worried about consequences, they come in the last episode. Spoiler alert. Like, you know what I mean? Like these people are running amok throughout New York City for 178 episodes and really having very, you know, sometimes they lose. A lot of times they win or come out even. You know, they're, they're not going to, you know, reap the, uh, you know, the consequences of every single bad thing they do, especially George. Okay. So Jerry finally gets into the dressing room with Kramer. He has the paper. They look at it. The paper is blank that the moisturizer must have rubbed off all of the ink. So no dry cleaning information, no UMA phone number. Yeah. I mean, I would have memorized that UMA phone number if that was me. Yeah, you would think so. It must have been the botanical extracts, Kramer thinks. It was the yuva. <laughs> okay. So Jerry tries to get out of the meal now with Banya. He says, hey, this paper you gave me didn't have the numbers on it. And so Banya says, insists that he promised. Yeah, I mean, Jerry doesn't really have a case here. Yeah. Like, he just asked for the paper. It's not Banya's fault. Yeah, he negotiated in good faith. And so he has to go to the meals now uh, with Banya. And so then... 
coincidence of all coincidences, the dry cleaner's wife is also at Barney's today. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, everyone was at Barney's. It was the happening place back then. Yeah. And so we end up now with Jerry. He notices that she's wearing the fur coat. He sort of like wrestles it from her. I'm surprised the police weren't called in this altercation. Uh, this is a little, you know, there's some, uh, aggressive behavior towards women on Seinfeld, but this is like a little old lady, like, yeah, call the police, ask her, like, you know, like you're wrestling with a woman. This is like a little crazy here. Yeah. Okay. So then we end up with Donna, the dry cleaner's wife. She walks out. And so Elaine stops her and wants to know if she can get out a salt stain Piece of cake, she says. What size is the dress? So she's right back. She didn't learn her lesson at all. Right. I think the key now is only give them stuff they're not going to want to wear. Yeah. So everybody walks out, and we see them now on the street. Uh, Elaine is uh, carrying her dress in a bag. Uh, We see that uh, Jerry is walking, and Kramer is now wearing the fur. It's It's an unusual Seinfeld scene, but it's a funny scene where it's like, this is the aftermath of a crazy day because really from the, uh, you know, she starts, to, uh, you know, Elaine starts talking about Barney's in one of the first scenes and we're already there pretty early on. And, and you know, there's a lot of scenes here where really most of the episode is taking place in Barney's. Yeah. So finally, we end up with uh, Banya and Jerry over at Mendy's and they're eating pea soup. Now, is Banya going to say this is not a meal if they're both having pea soup? Well, he said you're going to have the swordfish, which, you know, he's going to find out in a minute that they don't serve swordfish in Mendy's. Unless this is an alternate universe swordfish where either the Mendy's isn't kosher so they could serve it or swordfish is kosher. So Mendy's, you know. I think it's an alternate universe where swordfish is kosher. So what is not kosher then? Like, let's say pig is good. Like, what is banned? Is it vegetables? Because that would be an awesome religion. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> chocolate is not kosher. No, we're not allowed to mention chocolate anymore. I got too many. I got a couple of tweets this week. You're complaining about too many things. So chocolate's great. Everything's great. It's great when people find out your salary. Everything's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, we end up with, uh, with Banya. And uh, he's talking about how, you know, we can go someplace else next time or we could try uh, Mendy's again. The difference is that we could we know Mendy's is good. But if we go somewhere else, it could be better. It could be worse. And Jerry just like cuts him off. Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's a gamble. Right. It's the macro version of ordering the same thing at a restaurant every time. Right. Yes. Where it's like, I know the sesame chicken is good, but let me try, you know, like the dumplings and maybe they're, you know. Yeah. They could be better, but they could be worse. So Banya also mentions that we have to hurry up and eat. I got to get out of here. I'm meeting a woman for a drink. Boy, Banya has a lot of dates. Uh, we last saw him dating the waitress that George had dated back uh, when George uh, made the joke about manure. And so uh, we find out that who could this be from Jerry? He says, some woman named Uma. I got her number off that ticket before it was smudged. Hope she's good looking. It is funny. Like an Uma, especially if he doesn't know who Uma Thurman is. So he just saw a number. Maybe like we don't even know if the ticket said Uma or the ticket probably just had the number on it. Mm-hmm. And Banya sees this ticket and calls the number on the ticket that was Kramer's ticket. It's yeah. pretty crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. Like, oh, <laughs> Here's a phone number in this pocket. Let me call it. Like, hey, this is Banya. I just bought Kramer's suit. Who's this? Right. Unless Kramer wrote like Uma Thurman and Banya's playing dumb, but he knew like, oh my gosh, how does he have Uma Thurman's phone number? I'm going to call her as a prank. Yeah. And then she answers like, is this Kramer? And then he ends up getting a date. I mean, 
I, I don't know. Does Uma even write her name on the paper when she signed? Like, if somebody says, like, oh, could you write your phone number down? I mean, would you write Akiva? I'm sure you wouldn't oh, write. Oh, so, oh, right. I was thinking that Kramer wrote it because Kramer wouldn't write Uma because he knows, unless he wouldn't remember her name because it's an unusual name, but he would remember it because he knows that she's famous. If Uma writes her name, then it's arrogant of her to assume that you're going to remember it's Uma. So maybe she writes Uma and then her number. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe. But I wouldn't even know that Uma was a woman's name if I didn't know who Uma Thurman is. She's the only Uma out there. But isn't Banya a total douche when Jerry is like, hey, the paper that we wanted has no numbers on it. That, that this, this is a BS. And Banya doesn't say like, oh, I just wrote down the numbers that were on yeah, that but, paper. Yeah, but the answer to your question, isn't Banya a total douche? The answer is just yes. <laughs> further, like. That's his character. Did Banya already call Uma Thurman by the time he comes back? Right. So he, you're right. He sees this and he calls it like, he probably calls it from a payphone. I don't, he doesn't even go home. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said he wrote down the number. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess he had to go home. Because no, he says, I got her number off that ticket. He had to go home, right? Because he was wearing a suit with the moisturizer. Mm-hmm. And when he comes back, is he wearing the suit or is he holding it? No, he's holding it. I don't think he ever put the suit on. Right, right. So he must have gone home, changed, calls Uma, gets a date comes back yeah again i think he left the store in the first place carrying the suit in his hands oh right he didn't he didn't put it on he didn't need to put it on yeah You're right so. but it's you know then actually yeah then he's lucky he even realized the moisturizer thing was happening because you know that could have been in the pockets and he might not have known if until he got home or something i don't know it's weird uh the final piece of stand-up in this episode keeve is jerry talking about he does not want the special he's not interested in the special if it was that special it would be on the menu you are much more of a food guy than I am. How do you feel about the special? Yeah, it's a very good point. It, but I think a lot of times it's like, ooh, the duck is in season. So, or we're like trying something out the to duck. be on the menu. What it, was this, poppies? Yeah, it's poppies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's in season, but you know, the chef has not washed his hands. I think that uh, I have ordered specials before. I, I don't know if you're pro-special or anti-special, but it, now he does raise a good point. Like if this was so great – you know, and but the thing I'll tell you what the thing about specials is they charge more money for it. See, if it was you know? special as in it was a deal, I might be inclined. No, it's to never listen. like two for one. It's always like it's an extra five bucks from the most expensive thing on the menu. Oh, my God. All right. I've gotten F specials before, noise. but now. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm sort of uh, I'm coming around to Jerry's side. This is actually <laughs> important. Stand up here. OK, let's talk about the secretary in this episode and uh, overall broad strokes. Uh, what, what did you say on the secretary? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, a thumbs up for sure. OK, I feel like I'm more so so on this one. Well, you've pointed out a hole that I didn't really think about, which was that the George storyline doesn't. Should we rate the storylines? George storyline doesn't really have a conclusion, even though it has. It is funny. Yeah, it's the best part of the episode, even though it would be highly illegal in 2016 i'm not sure about the legality of it all in 1994 but it would really just be a major major lawsuit against george and the yankees in 2016 well the sleeping with her i mean it's bad that it was at the job that would probably get you fired it is the strike so there's not much going on at the office and that's probably why there's no one there i think obviously the interviews would get him fired but what if they just went to hr assuming that still you know hasn't been canned also they go to HR and they say, like, oh, we're reporting our office relationship. Again, I don't know the rules about it and, you know, how inappropriate it is for the secretary and her boss. But I feel like uh, for him to be telling her that, you know, you're going to get a raise, I feel like uh, this is highly inappropriate, I think. No, I agree. I, I agree. But I, I also think it's funny. I'm, this is maybe one of the most 
uh, one of the few times where I've been super high on an episode and you've been so-so. Yeah, I feel like I was probably higher on last week's episode, even though you were lower on that one. Much lower. Uh, yeah, and I would say that I'm not, it's not that I'm offended by the episode. I just feel like that this is the high point. I feel like it's more the other stuff that I'm probably more critical of in terms of how funny it was. Well, let's go rapid fire through the individual storylines and see what you don't like. Yeah, okay. This storyline, I'll still say it was an A. It was it was a very funny moment of George. Uh, with It's very funny that George is going to hire this other secretary. The George Steinbrenner stuff is funny. So I have no issue with how funny it is. I say it doesn't really have an ending in terms of where it goes, that he doesn't fire the secretary. They don't break up. He doesn't get in trouble. But it's still very funny. Yeah, I'm also going to give it an A. Uh, the you're giving I'm giving you a raise is a, is a classic line. It's the first thing people would remember from this episode. Generally, mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. The ending is we've we've seen some problems recently with them wrapping up important storylines, but to me, it doesn't really ruin what what is really funny. Okay, Jerry with the dry cleaners. One of the problems that I think you're having with this episode is a lot of the more than many other episodes. There's a lot of things that are like really interesting. You, the first time there's a lot of like minor twists in this episode. Where when you've seen it and you sort of subconsciously know they're coming, it's not as great. Like him, everything tying together in the sense like him catching, you know, him, the, the uh, Willie, you know, wearing his coat and then catch, catching, uh, you know, Ed Sullivan show lady wearing his mom's coat. The, I'm giving you a raise as, you know, it's amazing, but it's funnier the first time you see it. Mm-hmm. Even like wacky little things like Elaine walking outside in the snow in her dress and... uh you know, the Uma Thurman thing and then the twist at the end with Banya having the date with Uma Thurman. Like all of those things are much funnier the first time you see them. Mm-hmm. So maybe this episode is suffering from like, you know, it's like if you know the spoiler to the sixth sense, it's not the best movie that the catches the spoiler. So to hear the twists are maybe, uh, you know, you're you're sort of on a, on a repeat viewing giving them lower grades. Yeah, but I feel like that's probably the case with most of these episodes, no? Sure, but maybe this is more twist-centric than some other episodes that are just straight jokes, and a joke might be funny a hundred times in a row. Mm -hmm. There aren't, okay, so there are not a lot of big laughs here. To me, more than most other episodes, this, this does not have like a classic line at all, but I think that there's also not really a bad scene in the episode. Okay. I think it's some of the stuff at Barney's is uh, not my favorite. Okay. I mean, but if you, if you like really watch it for the millionth time, even like little things like Kramer's sitting there with the, with the wallet in his underwear. And, and also, we didn't even mention like Kramer reaching over the uh, like Kramer being in the ladies room and then just like jumping over almost into like a lane side, mm-hmm. which would, you know, get you murdered by most women. Yeah. You know, like even like your wife would, but so little things like that. I feel like there are a little, a bunch of like little, um, you know, sort of like uh, little things in this episode that that give it a little bit more. Even though there's not there's not a single A plus joke other than maybe I'm giving you a raise. Okay, so then what about the letter grade for Jerry with the dry cleaner? Yeah, I mean it's a B plus. A, a lot of these storylines are so connected that it, you know, an episode like this is harder to give that particular thing a grade when at the end they're kind of all tying, you know, the Uma stuff and the dry cleaning stuff are all tying in uh, at, you know, at uh, at Bergdorf's or whatever the place is called. Mm-hmm. Barney's. See, I'm also low on it that I just feel like that this is, Jerry is being a perfect citizen in this episode. Like there is no part of Jerry's personality which is causing him to act in any way that's unreasonable for any other human 
the act that he goes somewhere, he drops his clothes off at a dry cleaner, he goes to the movies, he sees the dry cleaner. He doesn't imagine that he's that the dry cleaner is wearing his clothes. The dry cleaner is actually perpetrating a crime against Jerry. He's wearing his clothes. His wife is wearing his mother's fur coat. Jerry not only goes out to try to get his own clothes back, but also tries to recover his mom's fur coat that she would be very upset if she found out that. And Jerry, while he wrestles it from the woman in a way that he probably should not, then there's really nothing about Jerry that sort of makes this a Seinfeld type story. I hear you. So should they have gone with a more 50 50 plot line, which they normally do about, Hey, is that really Jerry's coat? And he sort of like never figures it out. Yeah, I think that would be probably more of a traditional. All right. So yeah, you are, you're, this is a a good point by you. I do think you need more uh, 50 50 booking with the storytelling here. (laughs) Yeah. Like uh, maybe like, did you wear it? And if he accuses him of doing something and then goes to great lengths and then, you know, rips a fur coat from a woman that it was not even the actual fur coat. Sure. Yeah. That would be funny if it was, if it was like an identical coat, but I do think that's something they've done like five times also. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be a good gag. Although it would make Jerry look, you know, terrible. If the point of the show is that these are horrible people that do horrible things other than just ripping the fur coat, which is rightfully his mom's from that woman, there's really nothing that Jerry does that's out of line. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So I'm probably lower on this story. I'll give it a C. Saved only Jerry's storyline by the appearance of Banya, who I'm I'll give it a B plus. Happy to see him there. Okay. Uh, what about Elaine with the skinny mirrors? You know, I, I didn't even notice the dress, you know, all the million times I watched the episode. Uh, you know, back in the day, I think that the dress is pretty funny. The skinny mirrors is like itself doesn't pay off so much. Her leaving the store, which is also insane. We didn't, you know, talk about there would be questions about that in the emails, but like it's insane that she could just leave the store. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sh- it's it's just a conduit to like other storylines. It does it doesn't. It's funny and it doesn't have any terrible scenes. But uh, you know, her coming back with the snow, there's no there's no payoff to it. But it's the D storyline here. Okay. So D as in letter grade? No, no, no. It's a, I'll give it a B minus, but I'm B saying minus. it's the fourth storyline. I'll give it a C as well for Elaine, 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 Elaine. And then Kramer with Uma Thurman uh, and moisturizer. Uh, a minus. I, the moisturizer thing isn't a visual gag. You don't see it, so that doesn't pay off at all. Yeah. I don't know how you really pay off moisturizer. But the, uh, you know, the Uma thing, especially the first time you see it. That And Seinfeld, I believe this is original. Now it's, you know, shows do this all the time. But just like, you know, inserting it's it, this is something that like shows like the Simpsons or Family Guy or South Park would do to a lot of success right after, which is like, hey, you know, let's not just use the four main characters on the screen. Like, let's make Uma Thurman, who's never seen in this episode, a major character, which I don't think was done a lot in, you know, it would be like, OK, we have, you know, Alec Baldwin on this episode and he's going to be in it. But sort of just like using their name. And getting that out of the episode where Uma's, I do wonder if they contacted Uma at all and, you know, they couldn't get her because mm-hmm. she was a movie star. But uh, I do, I like the Kramer stuff. You know, it's funny just seeing him in his underwear, not having thought of an, of uh, sort of a solution to the problem. And then just seeing him walk in, in Kramer's mom, in Jerry's mom's fur coat off into the uh, sunset or I guess the winter, whatever, is, uh, is a funny uh, image at the end. I'll say it's a B for me, this storyline with Kramer. And I think that there's some physical comedy with him in the dressing room. And so we get some mileage out of that. All right. So now, anything else that wouldn't hold up 
from 94 to 2016. Yeah, I think this has about as much as any episode. I, I feel like there are, you know, Elaine would be Instagramming the dress and getting like a lot of comments on it, bef- you know, right. uh, before she, before Take a she. selfie. Sure. Um, Elaine would not get out of the store in two, 2016. Right. Every alarm right. She wouldn't the- have gotten, even the first time she wouldn't have gotten out of the store. I mean, again, we're, we're also working like the sign, the cell phone thing, which we don't usually bring up is such a trope. Like we're almost have to, we almost have to assume like their phone battery is dead or something uh, in every scene. But right, the the all the sexual harassment stuff we talked about like that would be. I feel like everyone would be aware enough for this not to happen. Not that it doesn't happen, but like th- a lot of people would know their rights. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like many people, maybe they wouldn't want to, but you know, the people would be more aware to speak up after those interviews. Uh, the people who didn't get hard certainly <laughs> of like, hey, that wasn't quite uh, sure. Kramer would not have gotten Uma Thurman's phone number on a piece of paper. That sure, he would it would have been have on a piece of paper. It would have been in his cell phone. Put that right in his phone. Right, and he might have even just gotten an email address also. I don't know, because then Uma doesn't need to give out her phone number. Yeah, email Uma. And uh, I, I, our, but you know what's amazing? What's that? I, most dry cleaners are not computerized. Like, you'd think, like, oh, yeah. you don't even need a ticket. Some are, but I, I think a lot are not. Like, the old school ones are not. You still get the ticket. Maybe they put in the computer, like, hey, he paid $50 for X and Y, but... I do. You still need the ticket generally, I think, yeah. right? The dry cleaner and the fur part, I think that that all still holds up. All right, Akiva, where does this episode land in your episode rankings? A lot higher than yours, it sounds like. I have the secretary all... Do you want to guess? Um, boy, is it top 50? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have it at 38. 38. I feel like this is probably... I'd have it maybe between 80 and 100. So you usually say that I'm looking for the one big Hall of Fame gag, but this episode clearly doesn't really have it. So that's but why I, just I think, feel like it's an anomaly in your rankings. Yeah, I guess. But listen, the heart wants what it wants. And my heart wants this episode to be 38. Okay, there you go. 38. All right, Keeve. You ready to talk some email? Yeah, but I have a quick update. Uh, Jaleel White, I went to see if he has a Twitter um, page. And he just tweeted yesterday, uh, how can I do a Family Matters re- reboot if Reginald Vell Johnson doesn't even follow me on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> but he wants to be friends with Eric Stein on Facebook. Reginald Vell Johnson, yeah, so he is, that's bad. Like, he's cool with Eric Stein, uh, who's a <laughs> Maybe big brother 10 years ago. Reginald Vell Johnson is working on the Family Matters reboot and wants Eric Stein to be the reimagined Urkel. Eric Stein could, he's a little too cool to be Urkel, but I feel like he could be in the, he could be in the room. Yeah. Nothing says that Urkel has to be a certain race, you know? I think that you could just have somebody who's just playing the Urkel character in the Battlestar Galactica reboot. The Starbuck character was played by a woman instead of a man. So Urkel's Twitter profile picture is him in first class with sunglasses on on an airplane eating Funyuns, staring out the window. (laughs) So if that's ironic, it's funny. But if he's trying to, like, brag, if it's, like, a humble brag, like, uh, I eat Funyuns and I don't even know what's humble about it. Uh, you know, I eat Funyuns and I sit in first class and I stare at windows with sunglasses on inside an airplane. Like, that's that's some real unintentional comedy from Jaleel there. Okay. All right. Keith, let's get into our emails. Of course, you can email us every week, Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. That's Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Why don't we start with Dan, the benefactor of the Seinfeld Post Show Recap, who once very foolishly told me and Akiva that he would donate $1 to a charity for every minute over an hour and 10 minutes of a podcast. And, and at, since that point, the length of the Seinfeld post-show recap has really skyrocketed. Yeah, it's almost doubled. I feel like, yeah, we got Dan. Well, this is like the $300 for an old suit deal that Dan made. 
Okay. He emailed us. And the quality's probably dipped. Like, yes. you know, we, we've, we've replaced quality for quantity for Dan. He's emailed us and said, I was in Melbourne to visit some friends and wanted to visit the bar mentioned in the previous podcast. Quick trip report. And so he went to the George's bar that we've talked about. Yeah, and I think I said Sydney. I, I, I'm sure they're walking distance, Sydney and Melbourne. I apologize. I know we have a lot of Australian listeners, but uh, yeah, this is in Melbourne. Here's what Dan had to say. The bar is located in an extremely hip neighborhood. And when I went on a Saturday night, it was packed. Inside of the bar is pretty cool. Lots of pictures and paintings of George. Some of the staff were fans of the show. Others, not as much. I surveyed a few of them to see what their favorite episodes were. And one said the alternate side. One said the opposite. And one said that they didn't have one and probably didn't watch the show. Yeah. You think that the trivia test would be like a good way to get, yeah, you know, to hire their bartenders or whatever. But I guess not. I mean, is it a prerequisite to work at George's bar that you have been a big fan of Seinfeld? Like, for instance, does everybody who works at the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company have yes. a mandatory Sea Forest Gump? You have to know it by heart, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, overall, it's much more of a hipster bar than a Seinfeld bar. Is it too hippie for Dan? Is, it's not a yuppie bar. I don't even think yuppies have ever, ever came to Australia. Yeah, I like Elaine's dress, legal. though? Yeah. I think it's, cur- it's a curvy. Yeah. Really targeting the casuals. The major bright spot for me was the $5, I guess, Australian three fifty U.S. Toasties, which is grilled cheese, which was the best deal of any food item I had in Melbourne. George would have liked that. Yeah, that's good bar food. Grilled cheese for three fifty. Yeah. How was the swordfish? Yeah, I wouldn't. I, bar swordfish. I wouldn't <laughs> go near that. That's for sure. <laughs> it's definitely not kosher. Even if it was a special. Even if it's like, we don't normally serve swordfish. $47.50 swordfish, if you're interested. Boy, this... Uh, restaurant they should be advertising on this podcast we are driving business there yeah because i think someone else went there also i think dr thomas who actually didn't travel all the way to australia for it i believe he lives there yes okay do you want to tell us about dr thomas's trip sure um and i'm 99 sure i didn't read this email but i found it and it was from a couple weeks ago uh about a month ago we covered so it was from like two months ago we covered the news of a george theme bar being opened in melbourne and i finally got the chance to pay it a visit clearly the biggest thing to contend with is the high expectations for anything that's branded as being george costanza themed And unfortunately, it can't possibly live up to the hype. In spite of a lot of memorabilia, it just doesn't have the Monk's Diner Seinfeld vibe I was looking for. The menu was suitably thought out. I like, like, uh, I I love the Australian way of like, uh, very, you know, (laughs) like articulately, uh, you know, uh, with, with a Twix vending machine. That's good. And pretzels on offer. The cocktails and toasties. I, I do like that, uh, Dan had to, ex- knew to explain what toasties are, mm-hmm. but probably, if, if we didn't get that email, we would be Googling it for the next 10 minutes. What are toasties? Is that mm-hmm. another type of cocktail? Yeah. So, Dr. Thomas, got to know. Americans are, we don't know what, we don't know what toasties are. And uh, when you say recognizable two words later, that's a Z, not an S, buddy. <laughs> had recognizable George references as names, such as the Versa Tomei, <laughs> yeah, the hand model, <laughs> and the Art Vandalay. And yeah. favorite has no U in it. My girlfriend and I ordered the draped in velvet, a cocktail that didn't quite taste as nice as being draped in velvet would feel, but how could it? In terms of decor, there were a number of uh, items referencing the show. This included pages from the script of the stakeout, signed TV guide, a framed Costanza baseball shirt, ass plates, several framed photos, and a working Frogger machine. That's a good deal. I feel like the last person we emailed about 
the bar said it wasn't working yet. So they're doing something. Okay. This place is probably closed by now, right? Yeah. More importantly, there was a small stage for a live band, which I'm sure should could be converted into a podcasting area for the finale. Let's get the Kickstarter going. Okay. Yeah, we're on our way. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I do think... Uh, we're going to have to speed up the show because I'm not sure this bar is going to be around in August 2017 when we finish the uh, this series. I feel like we're going to have to hurry. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we should do the 100th episode in Australia. Maybe. I don't know how long the bar will be there. <laughs> Can I meet you in Australia for the finale? Uh, yeah, I feel like um, is that a good central meeting spot for both of us. I, I, Australia is not really central unless like I live in Fiji and you live in New Zealand. <laughs> But I feel like and we're going to get like four emails about my horrible Oceania uh, geography. <laughs> OK, uh, Johnny De Silvera, the great Johnny De Silvera, who's very pumped up for the House of Cards. I, that, I think that we might have to get a, a ding, marry, kill for Johnny De Silvera of the Seinfeld podcast, SNL podcast or House of Cards podcast. Oh, those are his big three. Yeah. Johnny, remember where your bread is buttered. I have no <laughs> idea where, but remember where your toasties are buttered. That's right. That's right. See, so yeah, I, 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 Johnny. Also, like this, the the House of Cards coming back. All three shows essentially on the air because Seinfeld's on Hulu. It'll really, uh, you know, remove the sting of the whole Rand Paul situation. <laughs> <laughs> now we're now we're getting killed. <laughs> Johnny Zavera uh, wants to say, when did department stores start having censors for unpaid merchandise? How does Barney's not have one that catches Elaine as she tries to leave? With the dress. I'm not sure if that was necessarily commonplace in 94. Yeah, but they must have had a lot, a lot of, uh, what, what's it called when like stores have all that loss? I, there's like a term for it. Mm. But maybe it's just loss. I don't know. But uh, they must, like, there's no way. People would have just, especially in Manhattan, people would have just been taking dresses off the shelf and wearing them out. Yeah. By 1994, I understand like the 60s, maybe they would have had to have like either a security guard where they were just like screwed because people could just walk out with stuff. But by 94, they had to have something. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good point, and I think it's one that's going to uh, come to light, I believe. Is it in The Maestro when George presents the security guard with a chair at the store? So in season seven, uh, the stores require a security guard. So maybe there was too much shoplifting. I mean, it's a year later, right? Mm -hmm. Not even because it's the very beginning of season seven. Um, I think... I, I, you know, maybe they just like this store was on the honor system, but that the Maestro store was much smaller, right? Mm-hmm. That just had one security guard, and it was like one little store. At least the, you know, the this what we saw was just like one room. Here it's like a fourteen floor department store. Barney's probably in Manhattan, <laughs> that, so it's even that, more that's insane. That's the real Barney's. This was Barney's. Oh, right. uh, the party, Barney's the purple dinosaur. Yeah. Okay. You know, by the way, like the most important thing I've done as a parent, I, it might be too late for you for this advice, is like. I, my kids don't even know what Barney is. Like, I've kept them so far away from it. We showed him Barney one time, and he was not That's a impressed. big mistake. I feel like every show is better than Barney. It's so grating to hear in the background. Yeah. We, I'd, we, rather, I'd rather hear 100 Elmos or Peppa Pigs than oh yeah. one Barney. Oh yeah, we got that. We got the, the Peppa Pig. Uh, really, really into the Paw Patrol. That's really number, number one, and nothing else is close. Yeah, we get, we, maybe we'll do a kid's show power rankings at one point. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I have a lot of hot takes on the kid's show. Okay, what about Craig from Vancouver? Uh, has any actress fallen off more than Uma Thurman? She broke out in Pulp Fiction, which is, I think, right at when this aired, right? It was probably mm-hmm. right. This aired, right, you know, Pulp Fiction and then this. Crashed with movies like Batman and Robin, came back in Kill Bill and Kill Bill 2, and then went back into obscurity. Continuing her career of late, this reference is really dated. I don't think so. Her name is so unique. She's still really famous, even though she's not in a ton of movies anymore. And I don't think it's of her volition. I feel like actresses in their 40s in Hollywood have a tough time getting roles. 
Mm. Uh, you know, so I, you know, and remember, she's in the news. This is an old show. She's 46 now, or she's turning 46 this year. I yeah. feel like she works. She's very famous. She, she may be uh, more famous than she is yeah. like a list Hollywood now, well, but I feel like everyone knows who she is. I think what Craig is missing is that she did do Smash. Which was the Catherine McPhee vehicle, which was on. NBC. Oh, she's doing television. Remember, she six years, you know, much more than six. But in 1994, she was not. She wasn't doing Seinfeld, which was, you know, the, the, like number three or number four show on TV in season six. And now, then she's doing a guest spot on Smash. That no, would she was on Smash. She was a regular. Oh, she was Smash. Did she play Smash? No, she did not. Again, Smash was just a verb. I don't believe there was a character named Smash. Oh, well, but what about Friday Night Lights? That she was Friday Night. That was a different show. Okay. There was definitely a character named Smash. <laughs> but by the way, if we re- rebooted Friday Night Lights and Uma Thurman played Smash, I would watch every episode of that. Right. So she was on that show back in 2012. Then she was also on the uh, show which spectacularly failed the show The Slap. Uh, which aired. Ooh, but they had great commercials. They did have great commercials. And uh, that was the Zachary Quinto vehicle, who I'm sure that you are not a fan of his work. You're like a walking TV guide. <laughs> the guide. You're like the guide. Yeah. <laughs> I do have her IMDb open, which is jogging my memory, but okay, I do but remember. You know it's like Zachary Quinto. Yeah. yeah and then I see she was in Burnt, which was, uh, I think, terrible. I didn't see it, but it looked awful. So. I'm really surprised she hasn't landed. She keeps doing these NBC shows. I'm surprised she hasn't landed like as like the main lead in like a procedural on CBS. I feel like that's their move of like find the movie star who can't get a movie made anymore and then build a procedural drama around them. She has a child named Rosalind Arusha Arcandia Altalune Florence Thurman Busan. Mm-hmm. Uh, presented without comment. I just that's a great celebrity name. Yeah, I feel like and, and Kill Bill three. I feel like has always been in the hopper. She could always pull out Kill Bill yeah. three if she calls up Quentin and says, "All right, it's time to do Kill Bill three. The daughter's old enough now to come back and try and kill me." Right. I feel like that movie's getting made. I feel like that she's Tarantino's muse. I feel like that he's probably. Oh, I think got- they were more than a muse. I think uh, I think he also got the phone number with the. Oh, okay. Drive. So so maybe then the, then that ship has sailed. Well, here's Tarantino, uh, two thousand four Rolling Stone cover. Thurman and Tarantino denied of ha- having had a romantic relationship, despite Tarantino once having told the reporter, I'm not saying that we haven't, and I'm not saying that we have. Well, of course, what's he going to say? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a gentleman never kisses and tells. But uh, if you say, I'm not saying you haven't, like, there's no good way to, if you, if you did, then you're admitting it by saying that. Mm-hmm. If you never did, and you say, like, Rob, I'm not saying that uh, me and Jennifer Lawrence are dating, but I'm not saying we're not. Then I'm just like a, a crazy pathological liar. Yeah. If if we're not dating, it's the perfect. If we answer. are, then I'm still in the beans. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go to Amir, who said in season eight, Van Buren boys, we hear Kramer's pants story, where it seems that he was wearing the very pants he was returning. Our current episode perfectly lays the groundwork to the idea that Kramer would absolutely be stupid enough to return the actual pants he was wearing. So. Uh, Amir is on board. He, this is canon for Amir. Yeah, a few people wrote in with similar points that I think, uh, yeah, Kramer, again, he's an act now, you know, think later type of person. So there's nothing out of character for Kramer. Also, Amir wants to know, a few weeks ago we saw Banya give away a size 40 Armani suit because it no longer fit his huge body. In this episode, why does it make it seem so difficult to find a good fitting suit? Can't he just buy the same Armani suit in a size 42? Yeah, it's a good. I don't know. What do you think? That's a good question. I don't know enough about suits that I felt like suits need to be have 
tailored and maybe there was something special about that suit. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I know nothing about suits either. Yeah. I think I own zero wearable suits. Like oh, I have, really? I have one. I have one that, you know, but it's probably five years old at this point. I think I got it right before I got married. And I would say, I would call that my good suit. Oh, you see, you you don't like the the idea I pitched you once where on like big finales, like Survivor Big Brother finales, you and your co-host have to wear like American Idol style, like, you know, a tux or a suit. You didn't like that idea. But now I see why. because You don't even have one. Right. Right. Now I I'm saying on the podcast, hopefully people will pressure you into doing that. I would rent a tuxedo. I feel like that. It's that's, a great it's such a great gag, I feel like. And it brings some like gravitas to the yeah, telecast. I don't know. <laughs> Seems a, a little bit. Guys, like, pitch Steven on, uh, or, 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 you know, whoever you do the, the Big Brother with on uh, finale night. Yeah. It's a great idea. Okay. Finally, Chester, Akiva's co host on the 32 Fans and 32 Days podcast, writes it and says An entire wall of George's office is glass. Who has sex in an office with glass wall? Boy, Chester. What? A, what <laughs> uh, what is this a privacy issue? Let's say, I'm not going to say who, but I know someone who's switching jobs and they're going from an office with non-glass walls to glass walls. Mm -hmm. I'm just pointing that out right now. (laughs) (laughs) And he adds, uh, don't give me it's night. If they're working, someone else could be. Plus, there's always cleaning folks and others late at night. Okay, so his issue is more like why are the windows open as opposed to why have sex in an office with glass walls? Sure. And again, it's probably really late because... If we're going that every, you know, when they flash back and forth, that's real time, right? They've already gone to a movie in the dark and it is the winter. So the dark could be five o'clock, but it's more likely the 730 showing or something. And they've finished the movie and they're outside talking about the movie. And he's getting Uma Thurman's number before we see this business go down, right? Yeah. Let me give you the clean answer to this. Ada is on top of everything. Whoa. Uh, Ada knows everything. If there was any possibility they were going to be caught. She would have said, let me close the windows. Let's let's move to another location. So I feel like she's not worried about it. We shouldn't be worried about it. And George has had a bad experience with a cleaning lady. You'd think like maybe there's a cleaning person walking around. That could be the only person there this yeah. late. But they maybe have, the cleaning people were, were, were laid off during the strike. Like right. there could, could be a very good answer. to Maybe this. it's a Saturday. Nobody else has a key. I don't know what's going on there. But Ada does not seem worried about it. So there must be some good reason. Yeah, and who's watching Ada's mom? Because she, she was promised, you know, that uh, that she didn't have to work nights. And on night three, she's already there burning the midnight oil, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, maybe it was the weekend. That's even worse. This is supposed to be a nine to five gig because she's got to take over her mom. And she's the first weekend she's working. What if it was Show really Friday. early? It's like, all right, we need you to be in Saturday, Sunday, Monday. What if it was like 7 a.m.? When this is happening? No way. They, it's, it's at the same time as when it's dark out at the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> then... Also, Chester, is there nobody in between George and Steinbrenner in the Yankees organization chart that he can go straight to his boss and ask for a raise for his secretary? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, we know there's Morgan, but who knows where he is right now? Yeah, I think Morgan is not seeing George after the last time that George tried to ha- call for John Voigt Day in a meeting. That's true. He already said George Costanza is not allowed to call any more meetings. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, but does, like him not listening to him, does that mean that like the... I, you know, I don't at a big organization like this. I don't think you ever get into the CEO. I don't think the real George Costanza, uh, the real real George Steinbrenner, would have even known the name or have ever met the assistant to the traveling secretary if the Yankees even had one back in the day. All right, Akiva, let's get into this. What is the hashtag for this episode of the podcast? <laughs> That's something about Uma Thurman and Smash. 
I've got a couple options. I got Blurkle. Okay. Yeah, I like Blurkle. Yeah. I've also got Toasties. I, I, there'll be a lot of Australian people bragging about how good their grilled cheese is, though. Mm-hmm. This is a very pro-Australian podcast. I hope yes, the, the yes. good people of Australia hear this and they support our, you know, yes. our, our endeavor of coming for the finale. Um, yeah, I like a Blurkle because uh, it's short and and it's in a word. It's a word that people need to know. Okay. Of course, we love it when you guys go on iTunes and uh, help give us uh, your ratings and feedback because it does help more and more people find the show. I mean, right now, the Seinfeld podcast is just like this this uh, thing that's very hip that uh, is underground. Not a lot of people know about it. Right. The people who know about it, it's either favorite, second favorite, or third favorite. We'll find out, Johnny DeSilvera. But, <laughs> but the people who don't know us, so yeah, tell a friend, anybody, everyone likes Seinfeld. Tell someone about it. We do have some good news on the, uh, on the podcast front this week, Rob. Yeah, what's that? With our latest review, yes. which was ostensibly five stars, we became a five-star podcast on iTunes. Oh, hooray. Happy day. We moved up from four and a half to five. There we go. All right. So if you want to leave us a rating on iTunes, there's two ways to do it. You could just uh, search for the Seinfeld Post Show Recap on iTunes, or you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Uh, we do greatly appreciate it. Even just a star rating and a comment is even better, and you could subscribe there as well. Okay, Akiva, what are we talking about next week? Uh, next week, we have a, a really interesting episode, The Race. We have uh, Jerry finally dating a woman named Lois. And is George a communist? There's a lot going on. It's a fun episode. Okay. So we will talk about that in a holiday episode, right? Yes. It's the last one of 94. Correct. Last episode of 94. Going to get ready for our 100th episode celebration. Uh, that's still for a couple of weeks, right? When, how many episodes away is that? Three? Uh, well, I, yeah, we have the race, the switch, the label maker, the scofflaw, and then the fifth one will be the highlights of 100. Okay. So we will uh, do that in a couple of weeks and give you guys more information about how to get your voicemails and emails in for that show. So thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who does a exceptional job of editing these podcasts to what you ultimately hear that is without all of our mistakes, hopefully. Uh, Also, thanks to Mike Moore, who does a great job recapping the show. Akiva, anything else? Uh, No, other than, uh, you know... Uh, I'm excited for the, I mean, I feel like we're going to milk it. We're going to do the 200 episode celebrations. We're going to do the highlights of 100. We're going to do our 100th episode. I actually have an idea, but I'll save it. I have a good idea for our 100th. Okay. All right. Follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. Don't follow his sister. I'm at Rob Sisternino. You can also hear more Akiva on the 32 Fans in 32 Days uh, podcast where they don't talk about football anymore. No, it's, it's, I mean, you, you want us to talk about football? I feel like it's out of season. Uh, I feel like that probably you need some sort of like free agency primer. Oh, if something happens, we'll talk about it. But right now, it's the, you know, we'll talk about the draft. We'll talk free agency. But right now, my mind is in is in uh, hot take mode only and basketball <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Okay, there you go. All right, so check that out. And uh, looking forward to reading your comments on postshowrecaps.com. Uh, we love to uh, read them and respond to them. So keep them coming. Postshowrecaps.com. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye.